This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 169. We have uh, that beautiful new track at the start of the show now. It is independent Australian artist Melanie Horsnell. And I have known Melanie for many, many years. Believe it or not, there was a time that I even uh, sang and we used to sing in pub circuits together. We'd um, be at similar sorts of gigs. So uh, I've known her since I think, gosh, about 2001, 2000, around there somewhere. And the the song that I actually have at the start there is called uh, The Birds, and it's from her The Adventures Of album. You can check out Melanie's work at her website, melaniehorsnell.com, and uh, that uh, album is actually downloadable for $10, imagining supporting an Australian independent artist with great tunes in return for just $10. So I'm glad I'm getting so much wonderful feedback from it and uh, and I'm glad you guys love the new song. Now, on to today's show, we are talking to Dr. Anne Shippey. We're talking treatment protocols, testing for mold illness, and it's quite a personal show with both of us talking a little bit about what we've experienced uh, right from the uh, lack of ease of getting a diagnosis right through to the complexities of treatment when there are so many options out there. Uh, now, Anne is actually someone who started her working life uh, working for IBM as an engineer for over a decade. She took that engineering thirst for technology and frontierism, if you like, uh, spirit uh, into her medical school studies and then uh, went on to obviously incorporate all of the functional medicine aspects to her practice today. And uh, she is passionate about the science and research that directly relates to our environment and nutrition. And that's what's helped her to prompt um, her foundations in her business for how she takes patients through clinic uh, and along with her team. And, uh, and her mission is every life well. She's an inspiring woman. You can feel the enthusiasm pouring out of her for the work she gets to do for people, not only because she's experienced illness uh, and grave chronic illness herself in her time, but because of the results she then gets to see in her practice. So I'll start that chat with Anne in a little minute. I want to remind you, though, we have this incredible offer from this groundbreaking chiropractic-designed all-natural pillow. And I actually got an email from the lovely team at Killer Pillow. It's a husband and wife team. Uh, here in Australia, uh, that they had received international interest. How can we get these in America? So that is so exciting that you guys are as excited as I am. It really is an ingenious invention. Can't believe this wasn't around before. Um, a completely adjustable pillow as well. You get a couple of little inserts to make the contour that hits uh, the curve of your neck in just the perfect way for you. So it's a pillow that basically dips out in the middle 
and works whether you're a back sleeper or a side sleeper, has to be said. And I want to just talk to you a little bit about the materials this week. If you want to hear more about the kind of health benefits, uh, then I talked about that in the intro last week, but there's so much to talk about. I thought I'd split it in two and that way you get to kind of hear everything about these beautiful pillows, which by the way, I own one. Um, and uh, the organic cotton fabric has been chosen. It's the highest grade, GOTS certified. So we know the Global Organic Textiles um, uh, um, certification is uh, the highest that you can get in the textiles industry. So the GOTS agency ensures that everyone involved in the process, from the seed to the harvest to the fabric manufacturing, all respected, all paid fairly, all healthy and cared for, uh, going sort of, if you like, above and beyond the fair trade uh, certification. So it's an extra insurance because of the um, mode of farming being insured as well. And uh, the result is uh, their fabric receives um, an ex exemption from Australian government for, for the mandatory fumigation of all imported goods. So um, that's just like the wonderful um, shopping bags that you can buy from us for $25 that have my Real Food Manifesto on them. Same deal, not fumigated because they're GOTS certified. Uh, then you have the Australian wool. They've chosen to fill their pillows with Australian wool based on low environmental impact, sustainable, biodegradable, natural fire retardant, so we don't need any of those endocrine and neurotoxin um, uh, uh, what what am I trying to say there? Endocrine disruptors and neurotoxins that we get from uh, traditional flame retardants, uh, they're not treated with formaldehyde, which is a toxic fire repellent and a known neurotoxin. And it's grown in South Australia, just uh, processed near Adelaide. So that's Ecotech certified and uh, non-toxic, baby safe. And then the last thing I wanted to mention about the fabrics was zero plastic. They have said no to plastics. They only use plastic-free packaging. They choose to support a local family-owned box factory to supply them. So you really can see the level of detail these beautiful people have gone to to make sure that every step of the way these pillows are the best they can be, not just for your health, but for the environment as well. You have 20% off, free shipping, Australia-wide. Uh, I'm not sure what they're doing for the international inquiries. Uh, that I wasn't privy to, but, um, you know, if you want to just keep letting them know you'd love access to this pillow, we've got all the details in the show notes. Your code is LOWTOXLIFE20, and this code is valid until December 22. So you've got a, a couple of weeks left there to, well, not many, um, a week and a half left to get that. Um, from the Killer Pillar website. Enjoy. I can't wait to start hearing feedback of these fabulous sleeps from our community. Uh, a thank you and a welcome to everybody who's joined the Low Tox Club for four teeny tiny US dollars a month, which is essentially just swapping out one of the coffees you might have over the month or a chai or a tea, whatever it is you drink. Uh, and joining our club, you get 20% off our e-courses all year round. And you also get your privy to um, little extra bonus calls. We did a fantastic follow-up call that was an hour and 20 extra minutes with animal naturopath uh, Ruth on Friday last week. Uh, I do a monthly call and Q&A with you guys. Uh, and we do the odd challenge. There's some really beautiful conversations that happen there. 
and uh, and a lot of support from each other, not just from me. It's a it's a self-sustaining community as well. It's beautiful. So you can join the club over at Patreon, uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and then you just search Low Tox Life in there, pledge, and you'll get all the details on jumping into the Facebook group. That is it from me. I will not leave you waiting another second before I start this fabulous chat with Dr. Anne Shippey. I look forward to hearing how you enjoy the show. And please do remember Low Tox Life forward slash podcast uh, and then you click on today's show notes to get more information on Anne Shippey's work, uh, the mold resource download that we talk about in the show, as well as her book on Amazon. Enjoy. Hello, Anne. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to catch up with you. I am very excited too. The last time I saw you was like ships in the night while you were handing me a pee test in your, in your practice in Texas while I was in town so I could do my mycotoxin test, which of course we will talk about um, that type of testing in today's show. But I was so grateful for the generosity of your team that day. Uh, and, uh, and it is just a thrill to have you on the show. We've been trying to tee this up for a few months now and it's finally here. So the first question I have for you is, um, I guess a little bit about a journey about you becoming a physician, but also I'm always interested to see why physicians then add this extra part to their practice of integrative and functional medicine, how that came to be that that spoke to you and to be something you wanted to deliver to your patients. Thanks for asking that. Um, Yeah, so I was uh, on the fast track at IBM. I was a chemical engineer and uh, getting into the middle uh, level management and doing things like getting chlorofluorocarbons out of our cleaning process. So I was really loving my career and my job. I went on vacation and I came back and I was never the same again. Um, I lost a lot of weight, had abdominal pain and I went through so many tests, so many different doctors, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me or how to get me better. And so I just realized, okay, I got to do this myself. And it was before the internet. <laughs> so <laughs> it's always fun to research without an internet. My gosh, what did it's we do? Even, it's hard <laughs> to even imagine. So I read every book that I could find, and then I just started seeing some uh, practitioners that were thinking, you know, different modalities. So like an acupuncturist, an herbalist, a nutritionist, and then trying different diets. And I finally figured out what I needed to do to get my body well. I was so sick. My, uh, the people that I work with really thought I was dying. I looked so bad. And, um, I just got so fascinated with how the body worked that I wanted to, I woke up one morning, literally like four o'clock in the morning. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to do this for other people. I want to do medicine differently because it was so scary to not know what was wrong with me. No, I was okay at one point, And then all of a sudden I'm, you know, just so ill. So I knew there was a different way to do medicine, but I knew that I needed to get my MD to have the foundation that I wanted to have. Mm, So it was actually the functional stuff that was first for you. And then you knew you wanted those solid building blocks. But functional medicine wasn't on the map then. No, and of even course. no. So yeah. I did my med school and my residency. I had a baby in med school and a baby in residency, mm. and so I was kind of tired. <laughs> Just and a little bit. Med- <laughs> functional medicine still wasn't on the map. Uh huh. Um, so I went into traditional internal medicine practice, and then I developed a couple of autoimmune disorders, and so then starting to like after 
I knew I didn't want to take the drugs, but I still consulted a rheumatologist and I was really like, yeah, no, I'm not taking those drugs and I don't want to have a stroke. And um, I also, so I had antiphospholipid antibody, which makes you increase risk for stroke and, um, you know, clotting disorders. And then also Sjogren's syndrome. So my eyes and my mouth were so dry. I really couldn't even, you know, see patients without gum or mint or something in my mouth and I couldn't wear my contacts anymore. And, um, so I was like, okay, I gotta get back on my path. I've got to <laughs> find the additional training that I need to do, um, to help patients the way I really set out to. Mm. And I met a, um, I went down to Santa, I live in Austin. So I drove a mile or an hour away and, um, met a physician that, was uh, one of the early people doing integrative and functional medicine. He's like, oh, yeah, go do the classes. And so he helped me a little bit. And then I, I did the functional medicine. Um, at that one point, there was uh, like 40 of us in a little um, uh, classroom in a hotel in Gig Harbor, Washington, wow. <laughs> that, they taught, that they taught twice a year. So I was one of the early people to go through their um, week-long training, and now it's a whole certification, and there are you know, thousands of people, that, uh, practitioners that go through the, their training every year, um, and I pieced together what I needed to do to get wow. rid of so the autoimmune disorders. What was it for you? Yeah, I think it was a culmination of the toxins building up in my body. I had a mouthful of amalgam fillings that lived on tuna fish and um, mm -hmm. worked in, uh, you know, manufacturing processes. Had been in anatomy lab with all the formaldehyde, lived in multiple new houses. So just lots and lots of exposures to the environmental toxins. I had no idea that what I was breathing, what I was putting on my skin you know, on my hair, all those things could actually accumulate in my body. Mm. And I think it, my body just hit the breaking point <laughs> oh, yeah. after, after cranking out those babies during the high stress periods of med school and residency, I asked a lot of it and it was mm. just like, yeah, no work. We're out of, out of juice, but it was so perfect because then I had the tools that I need to really get back onto my mission of doing medicine differently. Yeah. Amazing. And, and You've had a personal mold journey yourself. Oh, I've had two. Wow. <laughs> I Unfortunately, I learn the most when I have to go through things because mm. when you, you know, when you look at it from the perspective of how do these puzzle pieces fit together, what really moves me forward and, um, you know, what's, what is the data really showing me and you're experiencing it firsthand. It's, I learn a lot from my patients every day, but I really learn from my body healing and how extraordinary it can heal. But yeah, my mold experience was um, a few years later after having got solved the autoimmune issues. And I had gone to a class by Bill Ray. He had put on an environmental health conference. Um, he's passed away now, but he was yeah. one of the leaders, as you know, yeah. in environmental health. And um, he did one on mycotoxins. And wow. at that time, there were so few places mm. that you could do additional um, you know, conference type training. There's a lot more now. Um, but it was like, Oh, I think I've been missing this in, in some of my patients. So it's, I had actually had a few patients that I had diagnosed with it and was, you know, starting to learn about how to treat it. And then I got really sick. I had, uh, had had a wooden, hidden leak in my house and also one in my office at the same time. So I was getting it at home and in the office. And um, I got so bad that I could, um, 
hardly hold a glass. Mm. I was having really severe neurological problems and so much pain in my body. Like I had oh. my kids were young at that time and I could hardly have them hug me and um, couldn't wear heels anymore. <laughs> you know, it, makes, hurt. Oh, it honestly <laughs> and, makes me nearly want to cry and because it brings up that time in my life as well. And I know there are people listening right now who are either right in the thick of it or have been like this and it just yeah. breaks my heart. I remember so that, dropping things and thinking, this is it. I've got ALS. And, yeah. you know, like I was, it, my mind went to the darkest places because the symptoms were so flipping crazy. Mm. Yeah, we were the same. Like the first mm. thing I did is I called one of my neurologist friends and said, hey, I need to get in ASAP. I think I've got ALS. And she, you know, tested me, looked me over and she said, yeah, I don't think you have ALS, but I don't know what you have. Like she mm. had no idea what was going on. Probably the yeah. same kind of thing happened to you. Yeah, exactly. So most of the physicians don't know about mold yet. So, mm. um, you know, it's really those of us that have either been through it or have done the additional training um, to, to learn about it because it's not taught in medical school. Mm. Crazy. So today we are going to help people get resourced. And know that there's hope. Like yes. I, I can do push-ups now and I can play tennis. And I love tennis too. We'll have to play a match. <laughs> oh, you, you'd cream me. <laughs> Not very good. I like to try and cream my coach. That's like my mission in life. <laughs> So, I mean, that's really the message for people is to not yeah. give up. You know, yeah, to, we can't. To, even when you're far along to the point where you, I mean, I couldn't pick up my purse without, you know, two hands, mm. um, a full glass with two hands. Um, even I if remember, those, like, I couldn't fill my glasses too much because I would tremor and it would spill. So I would always yeah. have like these little tiny glasses of water and crazy stuff, right? So yeah. I remember one of the examples for me that really made me realize there was something very wrong with my brain was my gorgeous six-year-old at the time goes, look at what I can do, mom. And he held up his hands and was doing all the different separation configurations of your fingers. I was like, I know how to do that too. And then I tried to separate my fingers into two lots of two and they wouldn't come apart. They would, like I could not control the, like moving my fingers in very specific ways. And I was like, okay. And it, what's really interesting is I think the brain training that you can do for yourself once you start to give yourself some healing building blocks is quite exciting. It's like learning again. It's why I've chosen tennis again, because it's so incredible for your brain, all that fast reflex stuff. Um, and uh, it can be a gift to rediscover the, the, um, the smarts of the human body when you, you teach it to do stuff. So, it really yeah. is extraordinary mm. how much the body can repair and heal. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love that story and the, yeah. the retraining and finding the things that you love to do that help help to rewire your brain. There's so much research on Tai Chi now. Oh wow! Um, yeah, Tai Chi is you know it's a movement. It's the mm. the Chinese movement that you see um, in the movies and things. Or if you. You know, it's not it very looks common. like beautiful, slow, standing yeah. yoga. It's gorgeous to watch. There are all kinds of studies with it helping with Parkinson's. Wow. And so, yeah, so I think you can extrapolate that into all kinds of things. Mm. 
Um, well, given the mould affects the brain, that it would definitely be something to put on the radar. Um, and, okay, so where are we going to start? Actually, do you know where I want to start? <laughs> we've, we've shared our personal stories. I would love to start with your six essential aspects to address for someone's best health. It's a beautiful resource that you have on your website, which, by the way, of course, we will share that and, and amazing helpful mold download link where you can go download that um but it's i'd love for you to share that because i think it's a really great place to start oh thank you so one of the things i really like people to know is how much their daily choices can really make a difference in their health so just having as healthy of a lifestyle as you can so just keeping that in mind and when i was doing the research for my ted talk on epigenetics it was so profound to look at how um you know, the meditation, the, the eating the right foods and all that kind of thing can, can really have such a tremendous impact. And then just nutrition in general, like our bodies need all the building blocks. We, a lot of times we think about eating for, um, for calories, you know, just for fuel. But when you get back to the detailed biochemistry and physiology, there's so many things with the phytonutrients and the minerals and um, and the right amino acids and fats that really drive everything at a very, you know, detailed molecular level. So mm. don't just eat for the calories, but eat for the the, the nutrients. The and then, yeah. Yes. Mm. And then if you can't get all those from your food, I do a lot of testing, then we take supplements to fill in the gaps for what the food doesn't do. And then a lot of times we have these genetic little glitches that um, make us more likely to get into trouble with some of these things. So a lot of times I like to do some genetic testing and look for ways to compensate for those. And then, um, you know, there's so much with our thoughts, like managing our, our mindset and our stress levels just by having an awareness of what we're thinking and how we're talking to ourselves. Um, and then there's the toxicity piece of it. Um, uh, that's really what I'm seeing over and over again. There's, there is the nutritional part, the, the genetics, but then the environmental toxins seem to be the tipping point a lot of the time. And then I really, like, I... I love using the latest science. I'm always the early adopter with looking at the new testing that's out. Like I'm so excited right now. I've got a new test coming from Europe that looks at gene expression in, um, in a much better way than anything I've been able to find so far. So wow. let's, let's apply the science and the technology to individuals as soon as we can and not wait till they're mainstream, especially mm. when things, you know, when you have things happen to us like you and I did, we don't want Can to you imagine if we waited for it to be a diagnosable uh, illness in the medical associations. We would I'd be, be dead. dead and I'm gone. Sure, I, I'm sure I, yeah. I'd be dead. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So those are kind of my six principles, foundational hmm. areas that I like to think about with um, helping people to yeah, be their beautiful. healthiest self. And it's, um, it's interesting to see, I can see your eyes light up when you talk about the technology, um, like that's your technology background, you know, you've always been in a forefront state of mind career wise. So bringing that to medicine, is, I mean, why would you not? And if you think about the principal goal of the physician is to do no harm, and you can see yeah. that it would do no harm to try something, then of course, why, I mean, why not, why wait? I, I totally agree. So, yeah, and I mean, that brings up a big, a good point because, you know, that is one of the, 
the responsibilities of being in in health at all. Like it's we don't we really want to make sure that we don't do harm, but there's always risk with everything we do. And so it's that balance, like mm. doing having the greatest um, likelihood of success with the lowest amount of risk. Yes. Because yeah, I mean any anything can have a risk, I'm realizing. So it's really trying to figure out the best thing for each person. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, one person eating an apple could just send their digestive system sideways and then another person, it's this incredibly healing, cleansing, raw food. Like it's just, it is so bio-individual now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, it always was. It's just that we're now finally realising. Understanding it better, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So toxicity is obviously one of the big ones you mentioned and you said it seems to be a bit of a tipping point Um, mold toxicity is obviously what we're talking about specifically today. Um, what was it maybe even before your own experiences or even retrospectively, you know, I'm sure you look back on some of the people that you were treating in your early days before you knew you had mold on your radar. What was it you've started to see in people that was an over and over again thing that you could now very easily group as mold illness? I think the biggest thing would be, you know, there were some people I couldn't get better. Mm. You know, most people, if I got them on the right diet, looked at their genetics, accounted for those, um, you know, there were still some people that would still have pretty severe hormone disruption, like their hair would be falling out or they, you know, they're, they were still tired, although there wasn't any problem with their thyroid or adrenals or they'd have major hormonal disruptions, um, muscle cramps, um, muscle fasciculations, pain syndromes. Um, you know, there were things that didn't, uh, sometimes autoimmune, most autoimmune people would get better with the things that I had found out that helped myself, right? Um yeah, so it was really those, it was those patients that I couldn't quite help. Like there were mm. still, I was still missing, they wouldn't get all the way better. There was some other clue that I needed to figure out. <laughs> mm. It's so interesting because if I think about my own journey, we were uh, nine years in water damaged, two different water damaged apartments that I, we just did not know because it wasn't one of those, you know, the black mold through the walls or super musty smelling. It was just that I, and then I would, I cleaned up all my food. That was the first thing I did. Just like really good whole food, switched to organic. Felt a bit better for a couple of years. Amazing. Then mm-hmm. thought, oh, I'm going to clean up all my toxins. Felt a bit better for a few years. Amazing. And then it just caught up on me. In the end, I was just never going to actually get better if I didn't get to what the problem was in the first place that was making me have to be so pristine in every other area of my life just to survive. Mm. Well said. Mm. Well said, exactly. So once you start to see the commonality between all these people, you start to think water damage building or excess humidity because it can obviously be either. Um, Because it's not a medical association defined illness with treatment plans, that means there's a whole bunch of different options out there. A few people have tried this, a few doctors have had success with this. How did you come to your own sort of set of tools that you wanted to live by as a doctor? Um, 
Yeah. So that's, there's a lot of those things that I think about in my book on Amazon. And there's mm-hmm. some things in the, the sheet that we'll um, put the link to in the show note from the website. But it's, um, you know, I'm, there's certain things that I see commonly. So mycotoxins often um, directly damage cells and they damage organs. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, what are the things that we need to repair cell membranes and mitochondria? And then what do we need to do to get the stuff out of us? And mm-hmm. then also calm down inflammation because almost everybody's inflamed. People might show the inflammation in different ways and different levels, but there's, there's a fire going on. Absolutely. And, then, and can I just pause there? Cause there's always beginners. And I always want to acknowledge that yeah. this could be the first time anyone's ever heard anything remotely biochemical. <laughs> Um, cell membrane and mitochondria. Can you just go into those two with a bit of a 101 and why they matter to our health? Oh, it's so fun to talk about those. <laughs> so the cell membranes are, you know, the outside of the cells and we're finding that they're even more important than the DNA in a lot of ways mm. because they're, it's a, a phospholipid membrane with fat in in the, in it. It's like protecting the inner workings of the cells. But there's these little receptors that stick out of the cell membranes that receive all the chemical messengers from what's going on in the body. Mm. So if those cell membranes aren't healthy and receiving those messages very well and then transferring that into the cell, um, nothing works right. Mm-hmm. So and, it's almost like a leaky cell. Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, and it regulates our um, cell balance, or the um, mineral balance inside and outside the cells. Um, but that's often what causes a lot of the neurological symptoms. It can also be the mitochondria, which I'll get to in a minute. But when those cell membranes are damaged, you really start to have the brain fog and can have the neurological things like we had with, um, with dropping things and the mm-hmm. muscle circulations and those kinds of things. And then the mitochondria are the little organelles inside the cell that also have a membrane around them. So that can get damaged as well. But the mitochondria make our energy. It's like our cash flow in the body for how everything gets made and disposed of and, um, so uh, when those mitochondria are damaged, like the cells are trying to run with no gasoline. It's mm. like, it's like, you want me to do what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go lie down. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's, it truly is like have, trying mm. to get the car to go with no gas in it. Mm. So, um, so a lot of times we need to do things that help those cell membranes to, and mitochondria to detox and then also to rebuild Mm. with the with the nutrients that actually run those things and create them. Absolutely. Thank you for allowing us that segue. So back to <laughs> then um, your journey to starting to piece together what was really supporting people. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, like you said, there was there. There were no real textbooks on this. Um, uh, Dr. Shoemaker had um, had his protocol that he had out there, and I started on that, and it just made me worse. I got so sick, I couldn't do it. Mm. So then I was like, okay, I got to get back to the biochemistry and physiology about what helps to detox, why things might be going awry in the first place, and then just do what I know and see what works. Mm. Interesting. And so what were some of those first things that really moved the needle? 
Yeah. So for me, it was liposomal glutathione. Mm -hmm. So I have uh, some of the genetics that don't make me make glutathione very well and don't make me process it. So glutathione is one of the main ways that heavy metals, mold toxins, um, pesticides get out of our body. And so if you, it, it can get depleted just because you're exposed to so many things all at once, but then also if you don't make it very well and you're not, you don't have very much in the first place. So I started to move the needle with taking the liposomal glutathione and then, um, you know, taking some things that would rebuild the uh, cell membranes like phosphatidylcholine and the right um, proportion of good fats. And then also things that help with the, with the mitochondria like um, CoQ10 and B vitamins, magnesium. Or I'm, now I'm really loving something called NAD, nicotinamide deprivacide. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it, that's in really the synapsin spray that costs a flipping fortune, but it is wonderful for the brain. <laughs> I don't know if it costs a lot in the US, but I remember thinking I just spent $150 on a nasal spray. (laughs) I've now officially raised the bar of what I find acceptable for medical supplies. It's, uh, you can take it orally and still get some pretty good results with it, yeah. and it's not not as expensive. I don't awesome. have the prices memorized. For my patients that are super sick now, though, we do it IV. Uh-huh, yeah. 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 And is there a way to assess with on the topic of IV whether it's going to be too much for someone or um, is going to be a good way to receive therapy? Because I've, I've heard some people have issues with, like, glutathione IV, for example. Mm-hmm. I start very slow. Yeah. And I like to, I like to, before I do IVs, I like to have some data generally. Like Mm -hmm. I like to know more about what's going on with them and even some genetics and look at their nutritional status and, um, and with their history, kind of know how open their downstream pathways are. Cause I think about the detoxification process, the getting the toxins out, it's kind of like a series of dams. Mm-hmm. So if you open up an upstream dam and the the ones down below aren't working, you're going to flood things. And so, especially with um, with the IVs, if you if you don't take it kind of slow, you can um, you can flood the body. And my goal is to not have any symptoms from detoxifying or if people are also colonized with fungus or mold, then, um, you know, when we're treating the infections or disruptions in the microbiome that they don't have any die-off symptoms. So um, I consider it the success, most successful when they don't. If they do, then we learn from it and we pivot and do something else. Mm. And um Just to kind of go back a little bit for a second, because I think so many people struggle with understanding the difference between mold allergy. Like if someone goes to a regular doctor, they say, I think I'm having a problem with mold. The blood test that'll be done is an allergy test to mold. Um, And what is the difference between mold allergy and mycotoxin uh, illness? Great question. So mold allergy would be things like having a runny nose or a flaring of asthma. And um, adult onset asthma, that was my second mold renin, um, what is one of the, the most common cause is mold exposure. Mm-hmm. So if you're having asthma, it's something to really think about whether you have a mold allergy 
And then a lot of times the skin, skin pricks or the blood tests will show. Now, sometimes that'll also correlate with environmental toxicity exposure. But the, so the allergy is more to the whole mold cell. The, the, the things that we're talking about with the other symptoms are from the toxins that the mold makes. Mm. So some of these are so toxic that they've been used for biological warfare. They cause cancer. Um, they're, they've looked at some of them even for you know anti-cancer treatments, so for chemotherapy, but um, often they're too... Um, too toxic to use for chemotherapy. And that's actually some of those studies is actually how we know what some of the side effects are from mm. being, or, you know, the effects of mold are. Now, penicillin is an example of something that is life-saving that mold makes. So mm. it's, you know, we, let's step back even further. So the microbiome, the, so the, um, we have like 100 to 200 times more genetic material from the organisms that live in us than yeah. we do our own DNA, right? Crazy so, thing. And we, we die without them. They do so many important things for us, but we need the right balance of them. So there are good parasites. There are good bacteria. There are good fungus, and um, there are good viruses. But then there are the, sometimes these good ones can be having a party and make us sick or um, allow for some of the bad organisms to take hold. So mm. I, don't, I don't want people to think, oh my God, it's all bad. No. Especially from the soil standpoint, we need fungus in the soil mm. um, to have healthy soil. Yeah, absolutely. I always like to think about it as like a, a good guy who's good and like just having a few friends um, gets too big for their boots and that's when they cause it a problem. <laughs> it's like, no, Ecola, you were great when you were small and now you've created all these problems because you got too big for your boots. That's mm. a great analogy. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so just I find like those little light explanations help us not traumatise things that we've just got to work on in our health and just see them as, oh, something's out of whack here, you know, let's, let's get onto it basically. Well, and do the things that really, um, take care of our, our microbiome, mm. like eating healthy food, avoiding toxins, avoiding unnecessary medications and antibiotics that disrupt things, not eating too much sugar. Those things can really make a big difference in, um, having a good distribution of our, our, microbiome that keeps us alive. Mm. And just because we're on the topic of diet right now, um, when someone is healing from mold illness and trying to detox these mycotoxins, what have you found to be the best diet mix? Or is that again, bio-individual in its consideration? It, it definitely is somewhat individual, but I find some things that work for most people. The closer people will go to what I consider a really healthy paleo diet. Um, so the way healthy paleo for me is lots of vegetables, you know, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, kale, um, the winter squash, asparagus, um, those kinds of like high phytonutrient um, vegetables with a little bit of protein, minimal amount of fruit and some nuts and seeds, no dairy, no grains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe some occasional beans, but you know, very just simple shop the outside of the grocery store, cook things fresh and simple. Um, 
will promote the fastest healing from a dietary standpoint. Mm. Um, thanks for sharing that because a lot of people get confused out there <laughs> about what to do, especially when you're trying to heal. I mean, upping those veggies and all of the nutrients that they give us is just paramount. It, mm. it changes so many things in the body to mm. eat the high, highly colored vegetables with, you know, like maybe half a cup of berries. It's dramatic, the things mm. that, that start to happen with that. Yeah, so good. So, okay, we've talked about the difference between allergy and uh, mycotoxin affectations. Where shall I go next? Okay, so many questions I have to ask you. The reason one of us can be sick in the family and the next person is totally fine, what's up with that? Yeah, so there's this myth out there that only 25%, of, about 25% of the population are affected by mold. But what I see is that everybody can be affected. It's just where they are on the dose response curve. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just like if you think about any other toxin or medication, there are yeah. some people that are going to have side effects or get sick with a very low level of something. And then some people with that, usually it's some kind of bell-shaped curve. There are some people that it takes a lot to really impact them. Mm -hmm. And the things that can really determine that are like what I was talking about with me where um, I don't make glutathione that great. Um, the other things that I see are um, if people have any of the MTHFR or other methylation defects, um, that very commonly has an impact, as well as the other detoxification genes, um, and the, including the, um, there seems to be a high amount of the CYP1B1, which a lot of the mold toxins go through that particular liver enzyme and cellular enzyme to be able to get rid of it. But the other thing that can really matter, like I look back, I know I lived in moldy houses before. I was like, we didn't know that when mm. the when we had a new house and the we had a roof leak and the builder. And I went, instead of ripping out the drywall and, and really fixing it, he just painted over it and fixed the roof three, three times before he actually fixed it. Mm. Um, yeah, I know. That, mus that, mus mm. that musty house I smell, I lived in in, in mm. that school. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I have a picture of me. I remember the first time I looked puffy or and it w wasn't weight it wasn't like dense weight gain it was a puffy look and it was when I was around 10 and we had just moved into what ended up becoming my childhood home and uh and my room was between the bathroom and the laundry so you know just a whole bunch of plumbing there my dad says he remembers now you know cleaning black mold off b behind my bed um and and I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. But I remember not remembering anything. I remember being the kid who got to school in my teen years and maybe I had been the only one who'd been allowed to watch Melrose Place. Um, that's a, a blast from the past for all the X-Gen listeners out there. And, um, and everyone would be so frustrated if I was the one who had watched it because they knew they wouldn't get any of the details. And, and we kind of laughed about how I just had such crappy recall but now I'm like, oh my gosh, that is, I, I was actually just experiencing mold illness. And, and then I literally put on weight and lose weight in different houses through my life. Yeah. Very, very interesting stuff. So, um, yeah, I, 
I hear you. That's terrible. Mm. Yeah. So that, I mean, I, I'm so happy that you're on a mission to get this word out there. Mm. Um, you know, I had a new patient the other day that um, they were, they had been remodeling a bathroom mm-hmm. and um, a few years ago and um, the person doing the remodel told them that the black stuff was a mold. Oh yeah, no, that's no. not mold. Yeah. And then they got one of the, um, members at the house got really sick and the other one started gaining a lot of weight, um, regardless of what she ate. But the, so, um, it's just, you yeah. can't tell whether something is mold or not until you test it. You can, mm. cause it changes what it looks like. It's, and if it's growing in a wall in a bathroom, there's a high probability that it's some kind of mold. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's crazy that that wasn't picked up. Um, so, so then what I'm hearing is, is that it seems to be a number of genetic factors specific to the individual that will then put them on a sort of spectrum, if you like, as to how much they get affected by mold. And then it's, it's like the interaction with all the toxins in your body. Yeah. So this is before I really knew, um, about all the, the different things. So, um, you know, I still had a mouthful of fillings, uh, amalgam fillings. I was still eating lots of tuna fish, love tuna fish. Mm-hmm. So getting the heavy metals, right. Um, I was doing a, um, gluten-free diet and eating a lot of rice. So getting a lot of arsenic and, um, I didn't, you know, I ate some organic, but not always. So it was probably getting pesticides. We were spraying, we live in Texas. We were spraying our house. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like little bits here and there from all the different things that you cover so nicely on your website um, and in your programs. They really make a difference. Like, mm. do, you know, do the things that you can control so you keep some uh, some residual in your in your um, barrel. Yeah, exactly. So that you don't get tipped over by you know whatever the next toxic exposure is. Um, you know, like the people. Um, who are in near living near fires or, you know, where they're burning off fields and um, places where there's a lot of uh, air pollution or, um, you know, living by oil fields or some type of um, chemical chemical plant. plant. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, You, you've got to, you've got to just be working at it every day. Mm. Do the things you can control so that the things that you can't control that, um, they're not going to have a significant effect. So on the topic of fires, because right now our country is literally up in flames as we are speaking, it is a crisis. Uh, I think we have 270 fires burning in Australia right now. Um, I didn't realise that. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah, have a look at my Instagram from yesterday. I took a picture of my little balcony in our apartment, looks over out onto a bay, and then you see the Harbour Bridge on the other side of that bay. You can't see the bridge. There is no evidence of a Harbour Bridge, like our landmark, the kind of thing that you would send as a postcard when you're a tourist. And, uh, and that's how much smoke is in our city. I think it's the equivalent to smoking about 30, pack, uh, 30 cigarettes a day at the moment. Um, so can we actually just talk about air pollution just as a little segue? Oh, it's, it's And a couple huge. of things we can do 
So like mm-hmm. liposomal glutathione, that might be a good one. Ama- amazing. The liposomal mm-hmm. glutathione from a really good provider is awesome. Yeah. So for um, the Aussies, we have bioceuticals who do one. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's critical. And then binders, you know, whatever binders yeah. your gut tolerates, like charcoal, uh, clay, uh, pectisol. Mm-hmm. Or, or even a combination of those things would be great. And then I love using the skin. So things like sauna, um, uh, like uh, we have a couple of detox baths I really like here um, that have the magnesium and um, herbs in them to help mm-hmm. to, to detox through the skin. And then if you have access to one, the hyperbaric. Um, I don't know what there's a couple access is there. Yeah. Uh, that would be great. And then, um, try to minute minimize your exposure. I would definitely wear, wear a mask out. If you're outside or driving, wear a mask. The, Mm. the best one that you can, um, afford, uh, afford. Right. Mm. And then, um, have an air filter, a HEPA filter in your, in your um, bedroom where you sleep so that at least those, eight or nine hours that you're in your bedroom, you're getting as clean of air as possible. Um, so like um, one of the brands that I really like, I think you can probably get it there is IQ Air. They I'm have one. Sure, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's, I it's, use Innovair, which is one of the best Australian ones. We have Oz Climate as well, two great Australian companies. Okay, but, great. Um, but IQ Air, I'm not sure if so, we get, but that's a yes. good one for the American listeners at least. So look for one that has, um, you know, the really small particle. So they will have something about getting out the VOCs. Yeah. Um, so that for the IQ Air, it's the multi-gas one. And then back to food, mm-hmm. you can make a huge difference in how well your body detoxifies by eating your cruciferous vegetables, your broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, kale, arugula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, you know, taking some liver support and drinking plenty of water. So, you know, if you don't have access to all these other things, at least eat, you know, eat a really good clean diet yeah. with lots of it, lots and lots of vegetables and even onions and garlic are good things to throw in and then, you know, keep your your gut microbiome as healthy as possible so they do their jobs by maybe taking a probiotic. Mm. Brilliant. Thanks for that segue. And I mean, you know, that obviously helps for most, like that just, that's just a little quick blueprint for modern life detox, but, um, and these yeah. fire. Yeah. That's the things that I'm talking about are universal. Like mm. where, wherever you are, whatever's happening, most of those basic things will, will give you some reserve in your barrel. So you you don't tip over with wherever your weak spot is in your body. And these fires are, they're, I was crazy. You guys had some not so fires last month in California. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so, yeah, <laughs> I promised myself I would not go into climate change today. So I'm not going yeah, to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we don't need to worry about everything. Let's get the moldy people better. <laughs> well, um, and it's so important to take mm-hmm. like, to take care of ourselves so mm. that then we can bring our best selves to whatever we're doing, right? This is exactly right. And, you know, a lot of people wonder why I don't spend more energy on the environmental causes that are part of um, the work we do at Low Tox Life. But I'm like, if we've got half our population chronically unwell, we are literally missing half the army of people out there 
who have the wide open space in their heads enough to fight for bigger causes than themselves. If we're in survival, then that's just us looking after ourselves on a selfish level, which we have to, you know, so that you can well, get well and it enough. Does, it, does, it does a lot too with driving industry and mm. policy um, to let people know, oh, you know, you might be getting sick from your mattress. Yeah. Um, do you really want to be um, having the flame retardants? So if you don't buy those things, then mm. the manufacturers will change what they're doing. That's so exactly I, right. You're doing your part. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> doing their part, 100%. Mm-hmm. So let's get on to testing and treating then. And um you mentioned that you enjoy doing genetic testing. Can you talk us through what that actually looks like? Because some people think, oh, does that just mean going on to Ancestry.com and then there's lots of different options for how you can upload your data and get it analysed these days. What do you do for your patients? So it depends on what's going on. Um, A lot of people now have actually done their 23andMe or Ancestry and so rather than spending money on other um, you know, repeating segments of that. I'll have them run it, it through um, mthfrsupport.com. Mm-hmm. I feel like that gives me some pretty accurate information. Yeah. And um, I, I can usually get what I need from there. It's not perfect, but I can really guide uh, where some of the um, op- opportunities are. So, you know, we can look at their... Um, a lot of the genes for the detoxification pathway, the methylation pathway, the histamine pathway, the vitamin D. So it really, it really does a lot to guide what some of the lifestyle choices need to be and what some of the supplements that we may need to really um, prioritize. Because mm. this is this is so it's such an expensive ordeal. Mm, it is, you know, to to find or create a an environment that doesn't have mold and then to get yourself well. And sometimes people like when, when I um, did mine, I had to get rid of all my belongings and start over Two. Ex- yeah. ex- except for what would go in the dishwasher kind of thing. Yeah. I was literally dishwashing Lego for my son <laughs> just in batches so that I didn't have to get rid of all his toys, all the hot wheels, cars, everything went in the dishwasher, lots of borax. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I like to, you know, prioritize the most important thing. Now, when people come in and say, you know, get as much data as you want, money is no object, then I even like to do things like send a test to Germany to um, look to see for things like, do you have microtoxins that are attaching themselves to any of your genes? And um, Wow, you can test the- for that? Huh. That's crazy. Yeah. Saw that. Uh, I had a woman come in that was like, yeah, I feel like my um, my memory is not working as well. So we ran that test and we found that she had aflatoxin on one of her APOE genes. <gasps> so we did a bunch of therapy around it, um, retested her like six months later, the toxins were gone and um, she was able to remember names again. That's amazing. How much is that test? That test is about uh, $1,600 US dollars. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, it just depends on, so some people need to spend more money on testing so they can see it for themselves and make their decisions. Um, And then uh, 
other people are like, just tell me what to do and I'll, mm. you know, and I'll do it. I don't need much data. I trust what you think. And, and we do the best that we can without spending a lot of money on testing. But being a chemical engineer, I do love data. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. that's, that sounds like a very interesting test. And then the urinary mycotoxin tests, oh, yeah. there's a little that's- bit of like, is this really uh, good data? Is it not? What are your thoughts on that? I use it every day mm-hmm. and it's a very imperfect test, but mm-hmm. it is so helpful. So what I do for patients when I'm explaining the test is I draw a big rectangle and I say, okay, this is the world of mycotoxins. There's so many different toxins that mold can make. I've got two lab companies that I do, a third that I'm um, evaluating now, and they're like little overlapping, <laughs> like a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. So one is really good at finding these things that they're there and the other one's good at finding these things. If they are present, we know you have a mold exposure. Mm-hmm. If they're not present, it doesn't rule it out mm-hmm. because you could have one of these other areas of mycotoxins or you could be such a bad detoxifier that it's not coming out. Mm. None of it's coming out because it's a urine test, right? So one of the things that I do to help with that is that with one of the companies, we do a glutathione challenge where they take uh, eight teaspoons of liposomal glutathione for the second. So we do a baseline test and then the next day we do the um, retest after they've taken glutathione. And that tells me two things. It tells me just how much does the glutathione help you to detoxify and get the toxins out and then really a better assessment of what's there. So for patients that have the resources to do that, I like to do the, you know, the one diagram without the glutathione and then the other lab with pre and post glutathione. Mm. And it's um, very interesting. It tells me so much about what their exposures are and where we need to go from there. Mm -hmm. And then it gives us something to follow too. So, um, you know, when we do follow-up testing, we see all kinds of things happen. So, you know, people might think, oh, we found the problem in our house and it's gone and um, we would expect the toxins to go down, but it's not. So then sometimes that means, okay, there's another problem that we need to find somewhere in your environment, either another problem in your house or your work or your school or your car Mm. or some other place that you spend a significant amount of time. Um, uh, So it's, it's really, I with those caveats, it's just so important because without that, I think the other markers that we do to look for sears, the, the you know inflammation and hormone markers that are often seen with a particular area of mold exposure, it's um, it's too there are too many things that can cause these patterns, so you can't specifically say that it's mold unless you already know you know, there's a smoking gun someplace that there's been a, you know, situation like when you were 10 and, you know, they're mm. wiping the, the mold off the wall. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. And I think um, what's important for everyone to also remember is back when you were sharing that super useful list of things that you can do, basic supplements that you can take, even if you can't afford all the fancy testing, don't wait to get started on all of the things that are within our reach. 
to get started. Yeah, it starts doing your rebuilding. It starts giving you a little bit of progress towards your barrel emptying out that's, you know, full of toxins. And, you know, it's hard to know exactly where you're going to start noticing that you're feeling better. But like you were saying, like you could start to, you know, for you, it was kind of a gradual process, right? And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of the combination of getting your cells repaired and working again, but then also getting your your body down. And it also really helps to avoid as many other toxins as you can. Like a lot of people in the in this process somewhere, they'll start to notice that they get sensitive to fragrances or mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to walk down the cleaning aisle at the grocery store. Um, so the the body kind of gets some alarm signals to, oh, okay, I was I was I was getting better or my <laughs> Mm. my barrel, you know, my barrel's tapping out again. So it'll kind of give some alarm bells to sometimes to let you know, Mm. to, um, to not have the other toxins come in either. Yeah, that's so true. And I think something a lot of people realize when they do one of our courses, especially go low tox, which is the environmental toxin reduction course, um, within about three weeks of them ditching all the synthetic fragrances, they might be at like their mother-in-law's house or a sister's place where they still use a fabric softener, a traditional mainstream one, and they feel like completely winded. So I often feel like more of us becoming sensitive to these things and starting to realize the toxins for what they are is what is going to accelerate the change and the awareness we need to just get these things out of modern life full stop. You're so right. And it's like people just get used to it. I had Mm. to go, I've got a thumb injury and I went in to um, get an MRI on it last week and I walked in and I was like, do you smell that? Like, <laughs> I was asking the receptionist because you know, we we don't we ask people to not wear any fragrances to, if they're coming into the office, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Do you smell that? What's what's that coming from?" And she couldn't. The receptionist couldn't even smell it. Couldn't even like, smell is, it. Is, is there some kind of fragrance around here? And she's then she pointed to the plug-in. Oh yeah. I was mm. like, I was like, can I unplug that? <laughs> yeah, I do that with well, every taxi driver. I'm like, can I just unplug that while I'm in the vehicle? Thank you. And I just take it out. It's just horrible. Um, okay, so that's such a great example of what builds, you know, really does build up the barrel. I love that you're teaching this. It's so important. So important. Um, and I think what's really interesting that I want to come to now is the sensitivity to detoxification because you mentioned that dam analogy before and I think that's an important one to come back to and focus on for a little bit because, um, you know, whether you call it an eight-lane highway trying to cram into one lane or dams of water trying to pour into the next one and then they overflow because they're at capacity, the analogy either way is really um, uh, obvious to see how some of us need to do prep work before we actually just go in guns blazing. And in terms of that, um, where, where do we start when, when we realize as a patient we're, we're, you know, starting the binders and, and feeling worse at what point do we go, Whoa, this isn't just a detox reaction. This is actually something we haven't picked up on that needs work before we start detoxing. You shouldn't feel worse on mm. any of this. Great. It means you don't have something right. Mm. So back up and start slower or look for the other missing piece. So 
Yeah, I think it's really important to be repairing the cell membranes with the good fats and phosphatidylcholine, supporting your mitochondria with the mitochondrial support, and then just tiptoeing into the um, to the glutathione and the binders. And um, I just don't find very many people at all that can do the cholestyramine and and sister medications. They do so much better with you know just gradually titrating up. The, um, the binders to what their gut will tolerate it. And then, uh, you know, the, just the really great foundation with the food mm. and the sleep and the meditation. So one of the things that I've found, which is can be really, really challenging when you're in the midst of it, is getting stuck in something called the limbic loop. Mm-hmm. So it's the survival part of the brain that's like run from the tiger. And... Um, when you're in that state, the body's going to do less repair. It's, it's not really worried about stopping the bleeding right now. It's worried about getting away from the tiger. So um, I can't underestimate the benefit that you can do from just things like um, meditation mm-hmm. and neurofeedback. And there are several different um, systems out there to help to reset the limbic system. The thing that helped for me um, the most was um, the little head device called the Muse. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I got the, the asthma one, that was such a tipping point for me because so many buildings that I went into, I couldn't breathe. Wow. Just all of a sudden, no asthma, just severe asthma. And, um, and so when I started using this little neurofeedback device, they have, um, it's a a soundscape. So when your brain's really active, the bur- or the um, waves get loud, and then when you're in a more calm state, the the waves get soft and some birds chirp. And I couldn't get birds to chirp. <laughs> I, I really didn't get Where into are the, the damn birds. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm a long-term meditator. Like I've yeah. studied so many different kinds of of meditation. I was like, oh my god, this is really crazy. And I really, when I started getting the birds and getting into that, um, relax, I like, of course I like it cause it's the tech side of things. I could actually see myself improving mm, <laughs> with yeah. the technology. Um, although, um, you know, meditation does a great job too, but I could also feel my body healing better. And then when I got so that I was mostly during my meditation, um, using the muse mostly in the, um, the relaxed state and lots of birds. That's when I, and it's different in my body now. Like I know my body's so much better at healing. That's so fascinating. And a lot of people like to have that instant and quite technical and uh, analytical feedback, right? There's just a type of person yeah. that likes that. So, but if you yeah. don't, there are the programs like Annie Hopper's DNRS system. But so if you'll do that in parallel with all the other things to help you to detoxify, it'll speed up your body's healing because your body's in such an alarm state there mm. with the inflammation with like, Oh my God, I'm like, I can't trust the air I'm breathing. Like, how do I handle the finances? Am I really going to get better when you're in that state of um, alarm? The That's what the body's doing is it's running from the tiger more than it's doing the repair. A hundred percent. And, um, and that in itself can be this big negative feedback loop. You're just trying to get off the merry-go-round that's broken and spinning and like, no. So yeah, I think, uh, 
anything that helps us do that. Um, and I know a few American friends have mentioned the Muse. It's it's like a headband type thing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. It's mm. a, it, it looks a little bit like Star Trek. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, you just pop it on. You can use it. It syncs with your phone. You can um, put some headphones in and use it for five to 20 minutes, once or twice a day, and it will dramatically help your body to reset into more of the restorative brain waves. Mm. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Uh, um, so what are you most excited about, Anne, when you look at everything that is available and becoming more increasingly so available now that um, I don't know, more, more lab companies are realising how much they can partner with doctors before having to wait around for um, older associations to start bringing in some of this cool stuff. What's the cool stuff that's going to be helping us even faster from now on? So the one that I was talking about that Mm. uh, goes to Germany, I'm Mm -hmm. super excited about. But the other thing, so that was talking about uh, the toxins sitting on genes, attaching to genes, and then changing how the gene expression, it's like a dial, right? It can turn it down or turn it up. So we're going to start to be able to measure the actual gene expression. I've got some test kits coming actually from Australia. I'll have to send you the information Ooh. on the company because maybe you can, I think maybe the technology was from there. Anyway, I'll get that for you. Um, but it's really early. Like I've got the test kits coming. I don't know how much I'm going to actually be able to say, hey, yeah, this really helps to change, you know, know better what we need to do and what's being impacted or influenced. But I think probably within a few years, we're going to have a quick, easy way to check in and see oh, what are genes actually doing? Mm. Um, you know, because it's so much more than what the genes were born with. It's how they're, those dyes how they're are expressing. Being, yeah. Mm-hmm. How they're expressing. So I think we're going to be able to do so much more prevention mm. just by easily looking this at This is that. your there blueprint are- and this is what you need to do to make sure things don't go south. Yeah. And if we see some things going south, then we can you know, get things back, figure out what's, um, mm. how to get it back in an optimal state as quickly, quickly as possible. There was a company that was doing this um, for cardiovascular disease. They looked at about 20 genes that get upregulated or downregulated when people are forming plaques and, you know, to lean up, lead up to a heart attack. And um, Medicare was covering it. it I, I was really seeing some impressive changes with some of my patients with um, cardiovascular disease, but then Medicare decided to stop paying for it suddenly Mm. and the company went under, but I'm hoping somebody else is going to pick up that technology because that's a perfect example. So we could see what genes are being expressed and then we could make changes with lifestyle, detoxification, supplements you know, wait a couple months and then recheck and see if we had moved the needle on the on those important genes. It was it was so much fun to actually see people, you know, in such a molecular level of detail avert having heart attacks. It was so. Really I mean, it begs the question: How the heck something so good can be removed from Medicare? Like, I mean. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I am not. But you do have to wonder, 
like would, okay, I'm going to just ask you a question as someone who is curious asking their doctor. Would the results of that test being known and available on a very large scale create a reduced requirement for pharmaceutical drugs potentially? Absolutely. Okay. I think that's all we need to say. Um, Yeah, that's really a huge shame. Mm. A lot of like, yeah, I should do a little calculation on how much that could actually save. Mm-hmm. Like look at how much those drugs that are used for that. That's very interesting. Yeah, because it's yeah. a huge saving to one potential, one group of the population, which is basically 90% of people, um, and a massive financial gain for a very tiny percentage of the population. That's really what that looks like to me um, because there would be no logical reason if do no harm is the central theme of patient care that you would remove something that was creating the possibility to do less harm. Um, to do pre- true prevention. Yeah, real prevention. So, um, yeah. Oh, well, um, I don't want to leave on a downer, so I want to leave on a big positive. <laughs> I think um, at some point, though, it's going to be like it's not going to matter. There are mm-hmm. going to be there's going to be enough increased awareness about what epigenetics can do and what these measurements can do that it's just going to be consumer demand. Yeah, exactly. We're already pushing it, right? It's individuals with chronic illnesses where nothing has been able to help us yet reaching out to doctors who are like, I cannot watch people go through this and not help them. So we're all creating our own subculture of progressive medicine. Yes. Mm. Yes. It's yeah. change. It's changing. It's exciting. Yeah. It's very mm-hmm. exciting. So to wrap up, I mean, obviously we're going to share your wonderful book on Amazon. It is so useful for people going through the, where do I start with mold and how do I move forward? Um, the little worksheet that people can download from your website just gives you a clue as to whether this is even an issue that you need to put on your radar for yourself or a family member. And of course you practice in Austin, Texas, uh, and you give a lot of talks. And I want to finish by hearing about this fabulous talk you did at one of Dave Asprey's events, because it's a good story. (laughs) So actually Dave's a friend of mine and he invited me to go to Peter Diamande's event Mm -hmm. called um, Visioneering for the X Prize. So the X Prize was uh, first on the scene. uh, Peter uh, decided he wanted to figure out how to put passengers on the moon. Mm -hmm. And so he got um, people to uh, put together a prize and then get people to compete to develop the technology and show that it would actually work. And then they win the prize if they were able to achieve very specific guidelines for putting passengers on the moon. Mm -hmm. And so since then, so he did that and it got uh, licensed to Virgin Galactic. So since then, he over the last 20 years, he's been putting pulling together people with the financial resources, either corporations or individuals, to take on some of the most difficult problems in the world um, that governments and corporations are not addressing. So mm-hmm. it's things like um, figuring out a solution for the coral reefs. It's like... Um, 
um, there's one right now that's going on for mapping the diversity in the rainforest before we lose it. So figuring out the technology to really make that happen. So people are competing for that right now. And then one that came out last year was I got to meet the couple that led this team that won the the um, the prize is to make water out of air with the zero carbon footprint for less than two cents a liter. And oh, by the way, they figured out how to make thermal energy. She w- uh, was a journalist and he was an architect and they pulled together the brilliant people to make this happen. And now they're in the process of um, figuring how to make this a- available commercially because it really should be in like every community that mm. needs water or, you know, for disaster, if we have, um, you know, disasters, it's just such an amazing thing. And they've done so many things like that over the last 20 years. So I got invited to this conference and I was just thinking I was attending. Um, but then they had a health and longevity track to uh, have people compete with their ideas for what the next X prize would be. One of the next X prizes. They've got a bunch that they're working on right now. So I ended up um, with an idea for a toxin detector. I said, mm-hmm. so I'm like, so my idea for the prize was that the we'd have the scientists go through all the scientific literature to determine the at least the thousand most important influential toxins for human health, and then develop a device or some way of checking to see what toxins are for less than fifty cents a test. Um, so that it's available to, and affordable for almost everybody and then have an action plan that goes with it. So for example, like Flint, Michigan should never mm. have happened. We had a, a major lead issue that will take generations to recover from. Mm. Um, and that's also happening other places around the world, right? You get a new mattress that's um, full of um, polyurethane and um, flame retardants and stuff. You check your levels and you see it's going up and you're like, Oh my God, that's probably my mattress. You return it and you vote with your dollar. So by knowing the toxin levels of things like pesticides and VOCs and mycotoxins, we can vote with our dollars and change industry, even food packaging um, and, and have a huge impact at changing the world. So um, the, the prize is not funded yet. We still need a, uh, a little bit more money uh, to have it go into prize development. So if anybody listening wants to wow. help. Wow, uh, rich benefactor out there, let's do this. Yeah, Please, please contact me because mm. I think this could really make a huge impact on the world. So, um, the, you know, it was like five or 600 people in a, in a, um, actually at Paramount Theaters voting on the ideas for the year. And um, so it was such an honor to get to uh, share something that I think could make such a huge impact in, on health and longevity um, across the, the globe. And mm. so I hope, I really hope this comes to fruition and then get some of the brightest minds with a nice big prize to, to reach for so that we could really get this deployed um, within a few years and out there so that we can, change the trajectory that we are on with poisoning ourselves and the planet. Mm, what a brilliant, brilliant endeavor and an amazing way to finish. And you're such a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for spending this hour. Well, actually we went a bit over um, this time <laughs> with me uh, and our beautiful audience. Uh, I really appreciate the work you do in the world. You share so much on social, on your website. I encourage everybody to, to check it out. And I am bidding you a beautiful evening ahead. 
Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you inspire you to take community action uh, and uh, there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit uh, stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written over the past nine years of writing a blog. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added and I can't wait to see where that community takes us. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus uh, Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Today